For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, and I am overjoyed to be joined by one of my favorite Badgers of all time, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matt, thank you so much for taking a little time to chat with me today. Yeah, man, I'm very happy to be here. Always, always excited to talk Badger football. You know, relive the days, anything you need. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate that. And we appreciate you guys out there listening to the show. Want to remind you that we are brought to you by our presenting sponsor, betonline.ag. July is wrapping up. August is around the corner, which means that college and NFL training camps are back. Olympics are going on in Tokyo. MLB coming down the stretch. NBA free agency is just about to heat up. It's a great time of the year for sports. And if you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win your money today. They've got futures on NFL and college ready to go. Daily action on the Olympics and MLB, plus much more. BetOnline has the latest odds, news, and information on all your sports betting needs. So head on over to the website today. That's BetOnline.ag. Or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or first pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. I got to ask you about the Olympics. Are you an Olympics guy? I've been watching them. I mean, I I think they're super cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I a few. I, I told my wife like eight years ago. I watched that like three in the morning. I was up all night watching. Now I'm a little more tired as an as an old person. So I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. My wife is a just a massive gymnastics fan. Like she like lives and breathes gymnastics. So yeah. we were up at five in the morning here, uh, central time zone to watch the women's final, both the team and the all around. So I've definitely been getting it in. I'm a big track fan too. So uh, I've been watching uh, track and field started. We're recording this on Friday. It started last night. That was exciting, especially to see the discus. There's just this mammoth dude from Sweden. Who's like, who, who looks like Joe Thomas, man. He's six, eight. Um, and he, it, he makes it look so easy. I am, I'm very, very jealous. Um, <laughs> well, so, Joe Thomas is the reason that I, I knew I should not be throwing anything in college. So that's really <laughs> funny because that was the exact same thing that happened to me. So I actually, <laughs> I, I came to UW to do track. Um, and I, I walked onto the team my freshman year and I was a thrower. You know, I was, I was good. I went to high school in New Hampshire. I was a state champion in the shop when the discus, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then like, I met Joe at one of our early dinners. I'm like, yeah, he's got five inches and a hundred pounds on me. I just, it, it, it's a joke. 
him and Chris Presley. Him and Chris Presley was the other dude that I was just like, oh my god, like what have <laughs> Did I got? Did Chris Presley into? throw shot? Yeah. Well, he oh so in in high school he was like a national champion or at least like a, a state champion, like national like top five guy. He actually never threw at Wisconsin uh, because of his injuries. Right. But he, he was, was one of the strongest people I've ever been around in my entire life. Yeah. He's I mean he was an absolute animal. Like his <laughs> his quads were like larger than my waist. He came in as a tailback, mm-hmm. and his chest and arms were so muscular that he could that he fumbled all the time because the ball, he couldn't really like hold it tight on his body because his body stuck out so much. So they moved him to fullback. I actually think it's the best thing they've ever done because he was a monster at fullback. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a guy that, that suffered a lot of injuries too, unfortunately. He seemed to have a pretty injury-plagued career. Um, let's, let's go back, though. So before your time at UW, you were kind of a high school legend in the state of New York. Um, you know, uh, we were talking before the show, you're from, uh, Westchester, um, uh, Westchester County. My family's from Westchester. My cousin yeah. went to Mamaroneck. My mom went to Pelham. Um, my grandmother went to Rye Country Day, you know, so you know, all the high schools. Oh yeah. I know all the high schools <laughs> and you were kind of a legend around there, man. So what was that? What, what was that recruiting process for you? Like, how did you end up at Wisconsin? Because a lot of kids in the area definitely end up at like Penn state or BC or Syracuse. How did you end up over, you know, how did you end up going to Wisconsin and what was sort of like the reasons that you, you ended up there? Sure. I'll try to keep it on some type of time frame because that's a lot of questions put together. You know, in high school, I played class, we're class C, so it, we don't have divisions or those are, that's what it's called. So it went double A, A, B, C, D. So these are smaller schools. C's were a step up from that, you know? Um, and from a my mom signed me up for football as a third grader. I think I was a psycho as a kid, like just always bouncing off the walls. And, and my mom was like, Matt, do you want to do this? But you're going to do it. And it was the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. You know, my best friends are all football players. Um, I want to say like in my, I had in my wedding party of 11 people, I think two didn't play football with me, but wow. one was a girl. One's my best friend. We say she's my earliest best friend. So the other one was a best friend from high school who played soccer. So football gave me everything. So I'll, I'll, I'll go back to your question. Um, you know, in high school, I just loved the physicality. I loved, you know, winning as a team in football is so much different than winning at, you know, shot put, which we're talking about. You know, that's individual. I just think being part of a team, it was so fun. I loved doing my role and doing it really well. Um, and you know, my coach kept giving me more responsibility as, you know, as a ninth grader, I was a doof, you know, my feet were huge and I could run. I was slow, but like, I love, so I was a D lineman. I was athletic, but slow. And then I started playing a ton of basketball. And then I started, you know, my speed caught up to me and I was physical from, you know, a young age. And then when you have speed and you're one of the biggest dudes in um, high school on the field, you know, then it was a, an appetite for destruction. I was just trying to kill every single person on the field within the rules, right? Nothing dirty. I wasn't a dirty player. So, um, you know, helmet on across, you know, the chest, helmet on helmet, like really not crown of the helmet because that's illegal, but like really putting a whomping on people. And, you know, we grew up, we had a bunch of good guys for three years, four years in a row. We won three state championships in a row. Um, 
I think I was the classy player two years in a row. So, and, and it, what's funny at that point, I still wasn't getting a ton of like, you know, big time schools. So that's, so that's where we go from here. I was not getting the Penn States and the Michigans and, you know, anywhere else, the, the Syracuse, because we're in New York. So, um, so one summer I went up to Syracuse, I participated in their football camp. My dad, who's, I think the smartest man alive said, do not say yes to anything. Say you have to come talk to me. I participated. I didn't, I did every other position except for running back. And I wanted to be a fullback, but in, you know, in high school, all I did was run the ball. I didn't really block anyone. So came in, um, what is it? Paul Pascaloni. Is that his name? Yeah. Paul Pascaloni. Yeah. Paul Pascaloni takes me out of my room the last night at like 11 o'clock, sits me in a room, says, Hey, we want to offer you a scholarship to play D line. And I was like a scholarship. This is so cool. D1, you know, it's Syracuse, it's New York. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and they just been coming off these were like the Marvin Harrison, Donovan McNabb era. Like they were still yeah. like a very legit Conrad. program. Yeah, they they were they were on the decline. Though. Yeah, they were they, definitely on the decline, but they were yeah, they weren't I mean, too Donovan, far removed from the glory years. And I was I didn't even know that Don, like I I don't even know if I put two and two together at the point like Donovan Donovan McNabb. I don't even remember when he started in the NFL, but I don't uh 99 I think was when he started in the NFL. So and Con, I think Conrad the fullback was there. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, yep, yep. So I was like, "Oh wow, this is a this is great." But D-line to me was like, "Eh, and but a full ride is a big deal for me and my family." So I said, "Listen, I have to talk to my father." I drive home, there's a letter waiting for me the next day saying, "We want you to come to Wisconsin." And my dad's like, "Holy moly, this is like real football, Big 10 football." you, we need to look like, we need to really figure this out. And I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, I don't, I don't even know where Wisconsin is on a map. Like, what do I care about the big 10? And he's like, you want to play fullback and they run a power eye or an eye. It's like, if you, this would be a great place. I've heard great things. And I'm like, I don't know. I still don't want to do it. And he's like, let's just go visit. So we went and we went to visit. And at that point, you know, what Madison is the most stunning place in the world. It's gorgeous. You're at, you're on, you're at the union. You're looking at the lake. You're looking at all these co-eds. I'm drinking a beer. I'm 18 drinking a beer with my dad, with my brother who came and my mom. It's kind of hard to say like, no, I don't want to come here. You know, and Wisconsin was telling me um, that I'd be an athlete, but I was my, the, the coach Brian White was saying the running back coach is like, dude, you're going to play running back, but we just bringing in too many running backs. We need an F, you know, we need to put you as an athlete to, just have that as a scholarship. And I was like a full ride to Wisconsin. And once you, once I got there, it was over. I, there's no going back. Like Syracuse was not even a thought at that point. Penn state said they passed. They just didn't, they didn't think I'd be a good football player. You know, you, you're talking about like a team like UConn said that I probably wouldn't be a good college football player. So you listen, you, it's like everyday life. You have, if you put a hundred people in the room, they're not all going to like the same thing. You know, you brought up the Olympics. Half this world thinks Simone Biles did a great thing, and half are like, "Why couldn't she do it?" I'm on the. I think she did a great thing. So yeah, you and me both. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you, I'm, I am more of a. You can have your own opinion. I just don't need to agree with it. Um, dude, she has the yips. Like I would. Ne- she's first off. One, I can't even do a cartwheel, and what that woman can do is amazing. Well, on top of that, if you have the yips when you are that high in the air, 
and like you have no and you you've lost your your spatial awareness like you can come down and break your neck and yeah. it's over and it's over it's over and people are like right. oh carrie strug did it on i'm like that is completely different like a physical she injury yeah. is completely <laughs> yeah. different than like right. like i said losing your spatial awareness i can go off on that tangent for a long yes. time so that. okay so we didn't need, i didn't mean, mean to go there but no no it's good man it's good I, I just support her i think i think she did the right thing for her and her team she could have went up there and gotten did so t- terribly that and and listen i was on the other side when i heard it i was like what the hell like this is the biggest stage you know women's gymnastics this is the really only stage and then i watched and i was like oh i would have told her to I would have, if I was a teammate, I would have been like, listen, you know, take a seat and let us just help you out. Like, I see what's going on. So I feel horrible, but was it? She is going to bounce back a trillion times better. But it's just, I feel really bad for her. It's, it's, it's a huge stage to just like not perform your best. Yeah. And, and, you, and, and, you know, especially after all she's gone through, right? Right. After all she's gone through with Larry Nasser and sexual assault, all she's gone through with the yeah. Olympics being delayed a year. All she's gone, you know, and, you know, like she said, even before the Olympics, she's carrying the burden, the weight of the world on her shoulders. And she's yeah. been wronged by USA Gymnastics on so at so many different times for so long. And it's just yeah. like, oh, Simone will save us. Well, you know what? It's it's OK. It's OK. Like, I don't blame her. I'm in some ways she's actually even like raised her star even more because she's, mm-hmm. she's kind of just being able to come out and talk about this and you know be open and she says like she's gotten a lot of support from a lot of people she didn't expect to get it so yeah anyways getting back to wisconsin football one more thing though okay a lot of people i can't believe like i can't believe she would do that but i'm like listen when i play when you play football anybody who's starting will never take themselves out even if they should you know like i've seen guys playing who are like at the, they basically look like a ghost playing, like they're dehy- they're like dying, anything. And the coaches, listen, if you're having a bad game, you get benched. And a coach is there to say, you sh- can't do this. So I'm proud of her for, for sticking up for herself when, you know, like if I broke my arm, would I come out of a game? I don't know, but I probably should have. And I don't know if, so I'm not saying I'm making the right decision all the time. I, I definitely didn't. As a football player, I'm a knucklehead who said playing is more important than my, my actual health. And to me, that's scary at this point in my life. When I'm 18, I, I'm making decisions that could affect my entire life. Like I'm a dummy for doing that. And I, so, okay, we, we don't, we don't too deep, but back, back to the, <laughs> so basically I chose Wisconsin. It was the best thing I've ever done. Um, everyone asked like, what was your first year? Like, why didn't you play? I came in, I think I was the worst recruit they've ever had. I'm sure that mentality is there all the time, but I had no idea who to block. I had no idea what to do. All I had was I was physical. And that was it. Like camp the first year was a nightmare. You know, football camp sucks anyway. But but yeah, that was it. I, I mean, I chose Wisconsin and I I have everything I have is from choosing Wisconsin. So what, well, actually, that was my next question for you. What was your first fall camp like coming in, playing under Barry? What were his practices like? And what was the toughest thing for you to adapt to? Was it the playbook? It wasn't the physicality, clearly. So was it the playbook? Or, you know, what, what were the toughest things for you to, especially coming from, you know, a relatively small school in New York? 
you know, I, I was a big kid and I was physical and I, you know, my coach at, in high school was like a stickler about lifting and working out and, and the actual, um, the different, I uh, try like, you know, power clean and squatting and doing all these different things. When I came in, I, I was physically ready for it. And I was also knew, knew how to do those movements in, in the weight room. So that wasn't, you know, like some guys came in, they didn't even have a weight room in their high school. So like I, I took that learning part and I put that right. I, I didn't even have to. So like there were certain aspects I didn't have to focus on and a lot. I couldn't learn the plays. Like I'm, I, I had, a, I need to see it visually and at camp, it goes so fast that you can't really, you can, you learn it on paper. Your coach gives you a packet of like 25 plays, you know, like one run play against 10 different fronts, blitzes, all this. The packet's like 30 pages of the same play under all these. And I'm sitting here with like my head in my hands going, oh my God, how am I going to remember the easiest of plays? But there's 25 different fronts that could be against and, and looks. So my first camp was a nightmare. I remember, I have one funny, funny story. I, we were supposed to do, um, it was a Bob's, so like a big on big. It was like an ISO. So I, I'm in the stance and I'm like, I turn around and I go, Coach White, who am I supposed to block? And he just looks at me and goes, you, you dumbass. Block Nick Grison. And all of a sudden, like you just, I just looked at Nick and Nick's smiling. And he's got, instead of being in like a linebacker stance, he's in like a sprinter stance to run straight downhill. And I was like, this is going to be a collision that I will not win right now. <laughs> um, and I didn't. And uh, <laughs> um, so from that point on, you know, then after camp ends, you know, you go, you're on the, you're on the scout team. So I didn't even see the starters for a whole year, pretty much. Like I'm, I was scout team offense. You know, I was scout team on all the special teams, which honestly sucks, but I actually enjoyed like that, those times, like, yeah, it's not fun to be on punt return and do it a hundred times in a row, but I enjoyed it. Um, scout team offense sucks. Like if you, the coaches are like, if you can't read the card and you do something wrong or miss somebody, they go bananas on you. And it's kind of funny, like, but it's not really that fun. Um, but what changed was, you know, like in the, we went, so before spring ball, after the season ended, I went up, I went to coach Wayne. I go, coach Wayne, I need your help. I, I'm not going to learn these plays. I didn't, I didn't learn one play besides reading cards all, you know, fall. And he goes, come here every Tuesday and Thursday or whenever you want, but Tuesdays and Thursday, I'll be here. We'll watch film. Every Tuesdays and Thursdays, we watch film. We talk about plays. We would every day was a one play pretty much. So we did twenty five bob. So instead of looking at it in a packet, I looked at it on a film with him explaining it to me. Every front, every blitz, what I do, what I do. You know, then we did. We went from bob. Then we went to power. Um, then we went to you know the zone plays, and we went to the handoffs, like the outside uh, runs. Um, we went to the counters. Just trying to think of all the plays. I, I'm sure there's way more, but yep. you know Sweeps, the fullback stuff. Yeah. Was easy because yeah, when I got the ball, who cares? And then you know the passing plays are easy too. Like most of the time, the fullbacks and the flat. There's really nothing else. You know, and then the shifts and the motions kind of. You know, it was. I think the the calls were like. Um, it was like. You know, it was like right f right. You know, twenty six power. And I was like, I don't get it. Why is it right F right? Or, you know, fullback to the right. I, I was like, 
you're saying F right, but and but I never I didn't put together that, that was the motion. So I wasn't, I was listening and I was getting confused. And once we did all that working together over and over, and I'd go in and just watch the same plays over and over again and be like, okay, blitz, I got that guy. Boom, play, watched it. You know, I was lucky to watch like Chad Coons, you know, a lot. He was a very smart player. I watched a ton of film on him. And we went to spring practice and I just unleashed. I just had the, um, you know, like I had a great camp. I had a great spring camp, spring ball only because I knew what I was doing and I could let it go. Um, so I was, you know, like they say mental is the biggest part of the game. And once I figured it out, it was over. And I was crushing dudes. And Coach White was like jumping up and down and giving me high fives. Like he loved it. And I did too. I finally felt like I was part of the team. Like this is what you guys recruited me for was to do this, not do asking who to block. It was knowing who to block and then doing. Um, and then, you know, it was a transition to basically being a starter. I split some time with some other guys, which probably should have happened. You know, it's, it's a weird practice is much different than standing in front of 80,000 people and, and playing and going against dudes like Ohio state. And, but, you know, you, I took a licking, but I think I gave a lot of uh, good shots to some people and, you know, after, by the end of the year, I think I was like, you know, going on full steam. And then I just think it got better and better from there. Yeah, for sure. You got to block for some some pretty good backs, including one of my favorites, Anthony Davis, who was criminally underrated as far as I'm concerned. He was a, you know, he was another one of those New Jersey kids. I don't know what it is about New Jersey running backs in Wisconsin, but, you know, they are, you know, they are special. What was it like to, you know, sort of, block for him and some of the other guys what did they all have like different ways they wanted you to block guys or was it just basically within the scheme whatever you were told to do um you know i, I stuck pretty much to the scheme um but i knew like anthony davis was like one of my favorite people like we we pretty much spent almost all day together at the stadium we we worked out a lot together or we worked out in the same you know group we were in the same meeting room. We practiced all day together. I mean, you're standing side by side, you know, talking about plays all day. Not so much of like, you know, hey, I'm going to try to get outside of here. He was so good at reading blocks that he was just like, put your helmet on him and I'll do the rest. So, I, I, and, and you know, like you love these guys. Like I love Dwayne Smith so much. He ended up having that, that heart problem. You know, Booker Stanley had some outside issues, but like to me, I love these guys and I never wanted anyone to touch them. Um, but Anthony was a special cat. You know, he, he cared about guys in the locker room. You know, he, he would always make a joke. He was funny. He can get away with anything. I think he can make fun of Alvar Alvi in front of his face and no one, you know, Alvi wouldn't even care. Like he just had that, you know, that type of persona. Um, but that dude was good. I, you know, talk about injuries. Like he had some, wonky injuries that kept him out like he broke his face being tackled which is crazy i think he had a high, you know high ankle sprain for like half a year you know that dude probably if he never you know like you always say if he never got hurt or these guys never if he never got hurt you know i think in 2004 we're undefeated yeah absolutely and i and i yeah because then that's that's when i had to step in but if we had him for that iowa game i think we have no i think we killed him Absolutely. Yeah, he he was a, he was a special player. But let's talk about let's talk about that game that you just referenced, the Penn State game. Uh, one of my yeah. one of my favorite 
badger memories it's one of the ones that's just like burned into my mind because game day was there and i'd done an all-nighter the night before and was at the college game day set and i hadn't slept in like 36 hours <laughs> and i didn't sleep before the game and i got there super early in the front row and that was also yom kippur wasn't it and so and, and for you obviously you know that is it's the highest of holy days um and yeah. So that whole experience, you have been fasting throughout the day, if I'm not mistaken. And yep. then you went off and had a career game. You had to come in and play tailback because of injuries to not only Anthony yep. Davis, but I think Booker was injured as well. Um, and Dwayne, no, Jamil yep. Walker was injured. Oh, <laughs> Jamil. I forgot about Jamil. Um, he was a really good dude. I got to, I got to hang out with him uh, a, a bunch. He's, a gr- he's great. He's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, so tell me, just walk me through, walk me through that day and then, sure. you know, getting to the stadium and everything like that. You know, it's, it's interesting before that game in the summer of that year, my dad and I were just talking and he's like, you know, the Penn state game is at 11 o'clock on a Saturday of Yom Kippur. And I'm like, Oh, that's I'm like, dad, what do I do? That's really bad. He's like, you know what? Let's just see what happens. Don't, don't say anything again. I'm like, okay. So we went through camp, you know, we were rated pretty high that year and we ended up winning, I think the first two or three games, I think the first two, at least we, we, we won the first three games, but it was either after the second or third game that game day switched to us for the big 10 opener. And they moved the game randomly that I don't think happens anymore. to like four forty-five, which is, yeah. it, it was a weird start not, time. It was a weird start time. It was weird. It's, I think it was 4.45. And so I spoke to my dad and I was like, dad, you know, I'm, I feel comfortable doing the, the fast and then playing at 4.45. You know, it's not sundown, but it's like very close. You know, it's like an hour difference. So he's like, all right, well, you know, that I'm, he's like, I'm cool with that. If you're cool with that, I'm like, cool. So I went up to coach uh, White and coach Alvarez. And I was like, listen, guys, I'm going to play, but I need, you know, I need a few things. And coach Alvarez like, do Bernie, whatever you need. And I was like, all right, well, I need to be, have finished eating by 4.30 PM on Friday. So I don't care where I am or what I'm, where I'm doing. I'll eat by myself in the bathroom if you need me. So I ended up eating at four o'clock at the hotel by myself in like the banquet hall. Cause the whole, you know, the 65 player team or 80, whatever guys they take. Yeah. Home there. game. So you, you didn't, you know, you, uh, you, smallest smallest squad would have traveled but yeah home game home games suit up everyone but um i don't think they take every single person to the hotel but i don't know how many it took six let's say 65 so the banquet hall set for that plus all the coaches and anyone else who's there training staff it's a big room i'm by myself eating so i'm done at 4 30 i said coach i can't do anything from 4 30 on in the morning um i need shameless plug for my uw halal i went I said, I just need a bus at 10 a.m. to the Hillel. I went to services. My parents and my brother were there, which was awesome. My brother and I, we undressed the Torah. It's like the Bible. We undressed it and I held it up. Yeah, so it was so cool. You know, like I said, I need the bus back at 12 o'clock. Got back on the bus. Went back to the hotel, did nothing. When we went, I didn't go to anything pregame. I just put put my clothes on. I got ready. You know, I put my pads on, got ready. And I was just sitting, I just sat in the locker room by myself and everyone warmed up. And 
at 4.30, I walked off onto the field, like when we were supposed to come out. And I did a few calisthenics then. And I think I, I say I broke the fast um, on kick return. But I, I mean, I did safely get two IVs mm-hmm. to make sure yeah. that I didn't like, you know, physically die in this game. Yeah, that's, uh, um, and that, then, that's uh, a big one. Yeah. So that so as I came off the field, I was eating, you know, turkey slices and oranges and drinking a lot of Gatorades and stuff like that. And we, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you can remember with your sleep uh, deprived mind, but we sucked in the first half. Yes. Like we, oh, I, I remember it vividly. Game. Yeah. Uh, actually, the only people who played well were the defense. Our defense. Remember uh, Erasmus James knocked two guys out? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was an animal that entire season. He was just, you know, he, he was getting after dudes left and right. Yeah. Yeah. He was unstoppable that game, too. I mean, he was awesome. Um, I mean, Jimmy Leonard had, a, I think, one or two. Like, our defense played amazing. But we, the offense completely stalled. You know, I think it was 7-3 to three at halftime, or maybe it was 10-3 to three at halftime. Like, it was a, a boring, boring game. Not saying it wasn't boring in the second half, you know, but I we went in the locker room, and at some point I knew that tailbacks weren't, you know, we're talking about Simone Biles. The tailbacks were not producing the way that they usually did. Due to due to mostly injuries, you know, it was Jameel Walker was a freshman, and you know, like throwing him in at this game with no prior experience, you're expecting a lot out of someone who doesn't have that experience. So, um, at this point, you know, Coach White comes in and he's like, "Bernie, you're in," and I'm like, "Coach, man, I know I didn't have a good first half. Like, don't worry, I'm eating. Like, I feel much better." He's like, "No, you're in a tailback." I was like, "Hell yeah, let me change my shoes because I I had shoes that hurt when I wore them, but." I think they made me faster. So, you know, mentally, like, that's what, that's oh, the only thing I needed. Um, I went up to the backup fullback, this guy, Greg Rude, who's like one of my best friends now. And I was like, dude, you're a fullback. Yo, let's kill, let's crush these dudes. He had a phenomenal, if you watch the film, like he did a lot of great, there were some runs that it took me like a year and a half to figure this blocking scheme out. And he did it. Like he just knew who to block. Like I trusted him. And, you know, like, first off, the O-line is so good that they could have a 265-pound fullback, you know, produce the way I did in the second half. I, you know, those guys, Donovan Rayola, you have Benning, who you put as one of the best linemen. Yeah, I mean, he, a, a, as a guard, man, he was, I mean, he, he was an animal. Who, Dan Benning? Yeah. He yeah. animal. He was an animal. And Clint Scout was an animal, too. And then you put on that side, you put Joe Thomas. I mean, we ran that way. If you watch the film again, we ran that way 80% of the time to Joe Thomas. So, you know, like I was lucky that we had these guys. We had great wide receivers. You know, Stocker was able to hit Brandon Williams on some big plays. We still didn't really do much, but we won 16 to three. And that's all that matters, right? And, the, you know, who cares who, who has the best game as long as you win a game? Yeah, um, that's all that So we won... It's all that matters. I couldn't have been happier. I mean, obviously, I couldn't have been happy. It was on such a big day. You know, it, it worked out really well. Yeah, I went to Wando's after I was drinking beer with uh, Fowler and Herb Street and Aaron Andrews. It was awesome. My dad and, and Fowler had like this long conversation. I mean, like long, you know, like an hour plus while we were just taking shots and going crazy. You know, so it it, it would it it turned out to be like one of the, I want to say coolest, best days of my entire life. 
Yeah, and, and it must have been all that more special that your your family was in town. Too. And yeah, I mean, for them to witness that and be in the stands and be wearing like a, a Bernstein jersey, you know, it's so cool. It, it, it's so cool. Like, I, I still think back and I'm like, wow, that was special. And but you know what? It, it, it was special because of so many other people as well. You know, we had a great team. We had great coaches. They trusted me. They trusted the O-line. You know, Clink Scout came up to me and goes, dude, just follow me. I'll follow you. You're a bad dude. I'll follow you anywhere. And Clink Scout was like one of my favorite people to be around in a bar, too, because if anyone came up to you and started messing with you, dude, he would he would just stand there and be like, I think you're messing with the wrong person. And that was it. He was a scary guy. So when he said that, I was like, I'm in, man. And you could watch the film. He was he crushed a, a, a cornerback, I think, like off the field. Like it was great. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm choked up because it's like such an, uh, a cool. I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just so memorable to me and I'm, I'm happy it's memorable to a lot of people. Well, and, and you know, and, and for me, it, it was memorable for a lot of reasons. I, I was a freshman that year. And so like that was like that was the first like big game uh, I, I, I remember going to. Mm-hmm. Secondly. Um, some of my favorite badges are on that team. Obviously, you, Anthony Davis, we already talked about, Erasmus James, we talked about, Antosh Hawthorne. Antosh Hawthorne is yeah. forgotten. Scott Starks, Jimmy Leonard, Dan Benning, like Owen Daniels, like so many of these guys who like form a lot of my core memories as a Badger fan were part of that team. Um, and that was just, yeah. it, it was always so much fun to watch you guys play because you played, you know, the Barry, that's a quintessential Barry Alvarez team, right? It's a quintessential, yeah. you know, hard nose. Like we're gonna run it down your throat, and then we're gonna run it down through your throat some more. And then when you thought we were done, we're gonna run it down your throat some more. <laughs> Obviously, that style of football was something that attracted you to Wisconsin. You mentioned that, especially like your dad thought that was something that was really good for you. You know, playing for Coach Alvarez, and then you know the following season, Coach Alvarez's final year. You were a senior during his final year, and now you you're. Your your season was cut short due to injury, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that year. What are some of your you know you know burning memories of playing for Coach Alvarez, and you know what did it you know you know and, and what has it you know meant to you? Have you stayed in touch with him? Anything like that after you know you graduated and he moved up to the athletic director role? You know, I, I mean, I'm sure this is the same for a lot of people. Barry's one of the most influential people in my life. I mean, the guy took a chance on a class C, you know, New York state football player, no matter how great I was doing in class C, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to equivalent to be good in college. And so he took that chance. And I mean, my whole entire life is based off of that decision, you know? So like, I, I can only thank coach Alvarez for everything. Um, you know, half, once again, half my best friends are Wisconsin people. I would have never had those experiences in, in, at Syracuse. Um, I, I actually roomed with Antaj pre the pre like our freshman. So in the summer before our freshman year, I um, roomed with him. I would have never got that experience. I saw him two years ago pre COVID in New York City. He called me. He's like, "Dude, come come see me." And I, I was like, "Let's do that's great. I can't wait to see you." So I don't speak to these guys every day, but that brotherhood is always there, and that's a Barry Alvarez thing, you know, like. No matter where you're from, like I'm a Jewish kid from, you know, like pretty much well off New York, Scarsdale area, Edgemont, you know, and I could be best friends with 
dudes from the complete opposite areas. And, it, and I think that one, I think football does that sports bring those people together. Um, you know, I'm friends with Dan Benning, who's from, you know, what the sticks of Wisconsin. He's a hunter. We have nothing in common. I saw him a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, we have like the best conversations. Like I, like I really truly love him. Um, so I, I think that's all like an Alvi. That's all what Alvi brings and delivers. You know, you, you're going to be best friends with these guys because you're going to work your butt off next to them all day, every day. Um, you know, he, I, what I love about Alvi is he is the quintessential CEO. Actually not quintessential. I think he's special, Like he lets his, um, assistant coaches coach. He'll tell you when you did something wrong. Oh, when I missed a block, you, you get MF'd. And I think you can figure out what that is, but he let the coaches coach, right? He was never in the, really in our meeting room for the running backs telling us what to do or he let coach white do that. And I think that is a really respectable trait of Coach Alvarez that he let he picked his guys he wanted and let them coach. You know, like when he was unhappy, I'm sure he let them know, but he didn't do it in front of us. So like he never broke that that uh, professionalism, which I think is great. And he's a guy that would joke with you and and mess around with you. And you know, I I, I remember I told Jimmy thinks this Jimmy Leonard thinks is the funniest. I hit Jimmy Leonard in an inside drill. It's my, it was my responsibility. I didn't do it maliciously. I just hit him. Like he's my job. He's, I was supposed to hit him. Coach Alvarez is like, Bernie, don't ever hit Jimmy Leonard again. And I was like, Jimmy, what the? I'm like, I'm supposed to block you on this play. And he's like, dude, I don't know. And I'm like, well, you know what? I would just run by, I would run by him and let him go make a play. And I'm like, this is the stupidest. This doesn't make any sense to me. But you know, I'd, I'd, I'd come up and I'd either hug Jimmy in a play or I'd give him like a little peck on the face, like a kiss. And he thinks it's like the funniest thing. I could never touch, nobody could touch Jimmy Leonard. And you know what? Rightfully so. I should not have been blocking Jimmy Leonard in practice. Um, but it was so funny because I was like, I don't get it. You never tell nobody to run into me, but you're okay with nobody running into Jimmy Leonard. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I actually, you know, what's cool is I got to meet... Um, Coach Alvarez's wife, you know, she's been influential. I even I even invited them to my um, my uh, wedding. What is it? The not the rehearsal. The what's before? Like my engagement party. And Cindy wrote back on my wall. Well, if if Barry doesn't want to go watch the Michigan game, um, maybe I can convince him to come to your engagement party. I was like, you know what? He'll probably want to go to the Michigan game. <laughs> Uh, so yes. And then, you know, after I have my job because of coach Alvarez, I asked him if he can make a call, um, to my boss now and he did it, you know, so I don't ask him a lot. I don't, you know, try to be his, you know, BFF, but when I see him, I always say, hi, um, it's always a good smile. It's always, you know, nice to see him. And, and, you know, I think a lot of guys have my experience, you know, of, of, meeting their best friends. You know, I met my wife now because of football and I have a kid now because of football. So, you know, no matter what you think about Barry Alvarez, I, I can't not say that without him, I wouldn't be sitting where I am today. You know, having that Penn state experience, having all my friends have, you know, rocking, I rock in front of my patio. I have a Wisconsin flag. Like I'm that guy, that annoying dude That's with a wonderful. Wisconsin flag. It's wonderful. So, you know, like I still scour at anyone wearing a Michigan t-shirt or hat and I hate it. 
You know, if you're wearing an Iowa t-shirt, I'm like, dude, why are you wearing an Iowa t-shirt? I don't get it. You know, so I, uh, I, I bought in fully and I, I, I think coach Alvarez, you know, made that decision. And I don't think he probably knows how much that has affected every step of my entire life, which I'm in love. I just love it. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, so your senior year, Paul Chris came back. He'd been the tight ends coach. He came back first year's offensive coordinator. Did you realize then like that yep. he was like a head coaching material and like how successful he would be as a coach? Did he always have that sort of like demeanor in him? Yeah, he, you know, I think the demeanor you guys, you know, the people who see um, him like on media days or doing some, you know, all these different interviews, that's not Coach Chris. And I think people who know him know that he is the most respectful of other people's programs. He'll tell you Michigan's the best and, you know, all these other teams and these players, they're the best. He does. He says exactly the right things behind the scenes. He'll joke with you. Like we have a good, you know, we have a great, when I was there, we had a great demeanor. Um, you know, I, I, I really loved being around him. You know, coach white was another guy, super energetic, like pumped. I don't know if I've met someone who loves football more than coach white, like fired up to be at practice, like doing a cone drill. And we're all, you know, me and AD would be like, man, this guy is so, you know, pumped up right now to do a cone drill. Like he'd be doing the drills and we're like, Oh, you know, like it's sweating and pads. So I think we had, you know, we had the right guys. And when coach Chris came back, you know, he wanted to do a lot more for the fullbacks for me. I think he wanted to get me more involved. Sadly, I did end up getting hurt um, and couldn't be a part of that run. Although we had a phenomenal season. Like it was great to be, you know, it sucks. I was the captain. I played in four games um, my senior year, which to be honest, sucks. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, just the worst. Um, but yeah, Coach Chris, when you get him behind the scenes, he is a funny guy. And his football IQ and, and you know, how he goes about his business, he's not tearing guys down. He's really building them up. And he can have a conversation with you when you're not doing the right thing or you made a mistake. It's not a scream. It's a conversation. Um, so was, 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 did know, he I, have that same I, sort of like CEO demeanor? Like I'm going to, I will trust you. I will trust the other coaches to coach or was he, was he more hands-on? What was his sort of like style? Like, I mean, as an OC, yeah, I think you're going to be more hands-on than you are if you're, if you're a head coach, but you know, did, did you, cause that's sort of like the reputation still behind him. Yeah. You know, I, I think he, he's definitely, you know, I don't think anyone matches up the coach out. I mean, Lou Holtz, maybe, you know, there's a few guys. Um, Saban, but you know, Alvy is Alvy's Alvy. Nobody can really step into those shoes and ever be him. I, at least I don't think that there's a next Alvy coming up the line. But I do think that Alvy knows who he wants to take over, and he knew he wanted Coach Chris. He knew Coach Chris the way he coached, his IQ, the way he deals with players, the way he deals with the other coaches. I think he knew that that was the guy. You know, once he left. Then it was next up and it was Brett and, you know, Brett was a good coach, a little bit shaky outside of coaching, but everyone who coached him, my Zalewski, one of my best friends is loves him says he was a great coach. Great. And he, and he is, he's a great players coach. You know, I didn't play for him as, as a, as a player when he was the head coach, but everyone says they love playing under him and he was successful. Now, I don't know what happened after we weren't in those locker rooms, but you know, I think, 
Alvy loves, and so do I, that Coach Chris is there. I mean, he he is the face of our program and he does such a good job. They're recruiting top guys. You know, Chris McIntosh is in now. I, I mean, I, all the pegs are in the right places for us to be successful. Yeah. So what's your relationship right now? Like with the football program, are you, you know, are you in contact with a lot of guys who are either on, on staff? Cause there's a ton of alums on staff, you know, obviously Jimmy Leonard mm-hmm. is there. Um, I think that uh, the kicker, your, your, I think your kicker, uh, Taylor Melhoff is still there Taylor. on staff. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, there's a lot of guys that you played with, or at least were around that are on staff. You know, are yeah. you, do you get back to Madison a lot? Obviously COVID is throwing a wrench in that. But, you know, what's your relationship like now with the program? Um, I think I have a good one. You know, I, I don't try to abuse any any relationships. I, you know, I definitely will text Jimmy here and there. Nothing's, you know, sometimes Jimmy would be like, hey, you want to call a blitz, you know, in tomorrow's game or on Saturday's game? I'm like, yeah, what can I call? You know, I, more joking around. Um, so I, I do have a good relationship. I don't abuse it. I you know, I love Ross Kalaji. I love him. You know, I, there's so many, you know, it's so nice that because this is what Coach Chris did. He brought guys in that he trusts. And they happen to almost all be Badgers. So, you know, it, it's it's such a great, I mean, the culture, I, I truly believe is amazing. There. You know, for any coach, not just a Badger. But yeah, I have a lot of friends still there. You know, I'm interested. Gary Brown is the new old, uh, running back coach. Everything he puts on it on Twitter, I love. I can't stop laughing at it. Um, although it's great, like it's really good stuff. And I think that's what you have to do to recruit the right people. Now is mm-hmm. you have to be that guy on on social media. Well, they need someone because um, we we know we know Coach Chris and, and Jimmy are not on social media. Right, right. That is Coach Chris. Will he's on there or is he? He's not on there. I don't know. I don't uh, even know if he's on there. Well, if he is, he's not saying I, I don't anything. Know if he's on. Yeah, there, down, there are some great fake Coach Chris accounts. I will say that there are some. Oh my god! Great, uh, there's an there was one I think it's called Evil Paul Chris. That is just Evil one Paul of Chris my, is the best one. The best one. <laughs> so funny. I mean, big shout out to that guy because whoever created that is he. It's so funny. But but you know I'm excited to meet Gary Brown and I, you know like what's nice is the um, uh, shuttles 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 the coach before. I was like, hey, Bernie, just come to, yeah, come into, he's in the NFL now. He's like, come, come to the, uh, come to the meeting, come sit in the meeting and just watch. You know, like, that's what I really want to do. I don't really want to like coach these guys or like do, step on any toes, but I, you know, I want to kind of go into a meeting room, just watch practice, you know, watch a meeting. I like, I go to practice when I'm home. I see, I say hi to a bunch of guys, you know, it's really nice. You know, I don't know anybody on the team, but like, I want to meet Jalen Berger. He's an East Coast guy. He's yep. a running back. Yeah, North Jersey. You know, like, yeah. So, like, I do have a good relationship. I really enjoy going back for games. Yeah, it's just, such, you know, I, what's crazy is like, I spend maybe like one eighth of the time watching the game and seven eighths of the time talking to people I haven't seen. And, you know, now it'll be two, three, four, five years. Oh, yeah. So it's so hard. <clears throat> you're like, I know Anthony Davis will probably be for homecoming. I won't be there. So then it's another year not seeing that guy. But when I do see him, all I want to do is hang out with that guy for the whole day. So then how do you watch the game? You know, it's just much more difficult. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so I will, uh, I will get you out of here on this. What are you up to these days? Uh, you know, how can people 
follow you and see, see what you are doing? Um, well, I, I know that I think this will kind of piggyback on all the other stuff I've been saying. I actually work, I live in New York, but I work for the University of Wisconsin Foundation. So I raise money for the university, um, specifically for UW Hillel. That's the t-shirt, you know, lucky that shameless plug during the day, but, um, I work for the foundation specifically for them, but, you know, raising money in every single area. And honestly, like I couldn't be happier. Like that's the, it's the perfect job for me. All I get to do, I basically do this in front of donors all day. And, and I think, you know, I'd become like very good friends with a lot of, you know, I talk to people who are alum from the nineties, you know, the eighties, the seventies, and all of a sudden, like these guys are my best friends. And I feel like it's impossible to not build these relationships because you're alum, right? You all went to the same school and I just think it's so cool. So I'm, I'm obsessed with my job. Um, I, you could follow me on Twitter. I don't really ever go on there just to read stuff. And I think that's funny. Um, and sometimes if you send me a message on Twitter, I might get, get it eventually. And I think my handles Bernie underscore hammer underscore 45. I have no idea what it is. Instagram is more, I think I like posting funny pictures. It says Matt Bernstein 45, and it's a picture of a bobblehead of me. So you'll get a lot of family pics, but I try to incorporate like a lot of weird family pics, especially of my daughter, because babies do funny things. They do really uh, weird things. Really weird. It's so cool, but so weird. And yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't do TikTok yet, so I don't have anything there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not young enough or cool enough to be on TikTok. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know what it is. So um but yeah, you know, I please follow me if you want. I, I think my content's cool. You know, slide into my DMs if you want to talk more. I <laughs> um, I'm always open to uh rehashing old football stuff and 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 I enjoy these conversations as well. Awesome. Well, listen, Matt, I, I cannot thank you enough for uh letting me join you on this trip down memory lane. Uh th- this was awesome. And uh, yeah, thanks. We'll, we'll definitely be in touch again. So, um, un- until next time, uh, on Wisconsin. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.